Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast, episode 316. Joining us this week, our good friend from Lenox County Tourism, Sarah Foster, returns as we discuss securing the bag and her upcoming wedding date, plus the reopening of New York. Uh, also this week, we, uh, we're celebrating 316 episodes. Uh, it's been great. No Heather this week, but we will uh, do our best to carry through. we got some fun history lessons, a special look back to the year 2001, some uh, hist, some weather stuff. Uh, we talk a lot about uh, free bread and the best ice cream as well. So all over the place this week. Uh, but that's the bottom line for episode 316, because your boy Famo said so. I just ah, I whipped see. some pod. I see. Yeah, I wasn't see. sure. I didn't know what I didn't know what episode number it was. So I just you thought maybe you were like, right. I should have cracked I thought maybe you were watching like some Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> or something in your free time. <laughs> I was a little, a little Austin in my free time. Welcome back to the uh, the Uticast, folks. Episode three sixteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, joining us this week after six months. It's about that time. Our good friend from United County Tourism, Sarah Foster, is. Back. Check in. Always all over Oneida County. All over Oneida County. All over Oneida County, truly. Uh, we spent a lot of time, though. She's less than, she's like 100-ish days toward her wedding. So we talked mm. a lot about wedding stuff. She went and got her dress this week. She Heck secured yeah. the dress, secured the bag. Yeah, wild. Uh, so, yeah, we talked a bit about that. Also, I saw her and James at the gym mm. not too long ago. Mm. Did you leave? I would have. I feel like they would have been like just chucking 500 pound weights back and forth to each other. It was James hilarious. doing pull ups from the rafters. I'm only going to say this because we talked a little bit about it in the interview. It was hilarious to watch them because they are like pros together. I believe it. And you just watch them from a distance, you're like, damn, look at these two. Like, yeah. absolute sometimes squad goals. You, sometimes you just see folks that are a couple, you're like, that's a well oiled machine. It's a well, it's a well oiled machine. And, and she's also a well oiled podcasting machine, sweetie. Mm. Great Love conversation uh, with her, as always. Unfortunately, no Heather this week. Yeah, no Heather this week, and mm-hmm. I hate to break the bad news to you guys, but I don't think we're going to get Heather back until the start of August. Oh, it? really? Yeah, mm-hmm. it seems like she's... Um, I told her, as always, family stuff comes first. She's got some family yeah, obligations. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, so Heather might not be back with us until the start of August. Oh, we'll, we'll see. Be gone for a few she's weeks. on summer vacation. She's on summer vacation. Love to see it. She's gone to the woods. She'll be back in a month. I mean, you may have... This This is sort of a summer vacation for the actual show itself, too. I'm mm. I'm leaning on a lot of... Like, I've seen you. I've watched you guests. as you've gotten the teaching degree and finished the master's really slide into teacher life where there's winter Sam and summer Sam. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's too bad that summer Sam is already like... You know, son of Sam and summer of Sam and all that stuff. It's, Your brand... The brand is destroyed. Brand is unfortunately. destroyed. Can't do it. Uh... Yeah, so it, great time talking to her. Uh, what else is going on this week? Heather will be back in start of August. Uh, mm-hmm. Just an update for all the folks who are curious on my ear. Yeah, how's that ear? Um, Have you heard anything? Hey-oh. Uh, so here's where I'm at. I have a, an appointment on Friday. Nice. With the ENT. Mm-hmm. 9.30 in the morning to go see what's what. Do, does, do I think it's getting better? Yes. Mm-hmm. Soft question mark? Mm-hmm. I, 
there are times when it feels like it's getting better. Yeah. Right now, as we're sitting here having a conversation and I'm talking to you, mm -hmm. it still sort of feels like it's a little bit of a dead ear in there. Well, yeah. Uh, because I'm sitting here thinking about it. But mm -hmm. sometimes when we're watching TV or if we're chatting or having a conversation, I can feel it coming and going. Mm -hmm. Right? So maybe that's a good well, I mean, in my completely unqualified opinion, and that's, you know, what I'm basically here for is to give unqualified opinions. I put your recovery at about three to six weeks. Like when it happened, when you were like, oh, I'll see if it's better this week. I'm like, I bet it takes a little longer because if you're waiting for the wound to heal and inflammation to go down, it seems like that's going to take time as it heals. I think what really I need on Friday is for this doctor to look at my ear mm. and give me an actual diagnosis of what I should expect. Yeah, that's, Do you know what I mean? that's really what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, here. instead of the shotgun, town of Webb, health center, health, yeah. out near the, like, bear traps. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, my ear is fine. I have sort of decided, though, I kind of have to get back to regular life regardless. Like, I got to get back to going to the gym and doing the show and doing mm. job stuff and... I can't let the ear be, like, a detriment for me like it, I did this last week. Mm. Like, I'm just going to have to deal with it, whether it's getting better or not, right? Because right. that's the reality of it. That's so, uh, got to get back to normal this week. Big normal, big normality week starting oh, yeah. tomorrow. Heavy normality. Heavy, heavy normalcy week uh, for FAMO <laughs> this week coming up. Um, okay, a couple things I wanted to... Oh, a couple random questions and thoughts I had for you that I wanted to share. All right. Uh, number one. Yes. Just talking to somebody about the movie Jaws. <laughs> Shocked. Shocked, I know. I'm on the floor. Uh, and I happen to say, one of my common lines about Jaws is this is a fundamentally perfect film. Everything about it is perfect. Every scene is great. Every actor is great. Mm -hmm. Every, everything's perfect. Yeah, yeah. And then I thought to myself, well, except the shark. The shark looks like shit. No, shark has to look like that. Shark looks any better, the movie doesn't work. Okay, so that was my question. If you, I'm not saying remake the movie. I'm saying if they could go back and redo the shark only to make the shark look more realistic. No, no. But everything else is the Stop. same. Listen to yourself. No, I'm just curious. Listen to yourself. It would be jarring, yes? Yeah, it'd be terrible. It would throw people off. They wouldn't but like it. CGI is usually bad. Like, for the most yeah. part, think about every time when people talk about movies, they beg for practical effects back. Like, when I'm at the movies, I know I'm at a movie, right? So I don't need the shark to look like I'm in danger. And I get it when they can make something look really cool and real. And I thought they did a great job with Jaws, especially for the time. But realistically, I, if you're going to go in and put in some computer-generated shark, I know it's going to end up just looking like yeah. a, some yeah. big mishmash mess. Yeah. Water droplets are going to be all wrong. And all it's just going to be unsettling. <laughs> People are like, well, I'll just, I'm going to listen to this one. You well, that's I mean? why I think I think about the movie uh, Deep Lucy, another mm -hmm. classic shark film. That movie is essentially... All CGI, I think. Feels like it's mostly CGI in that movie. Mm. And no one remembers it because the sharks look fine. That's not the only reason. Well, Deep Blue Sea isn't just because of the CGI. There's a lot going on there. That movie's watchable. It's a watchable film. If, There's a yeah, lot of actors into, in it. If you're into, like, crap movies. Like, that's a great, like, <laughs> afternoon TBS movie or something when you're, like, a kid. Uh, I think I paid money to see it at the theater. My favorite part of that movie, and I'm not putting it on this week's Spotify playlist, although if I thought about it or left a space, I would have. At the This was from an era when, at the end of the movie, if your movie had a rapper in it, mm -hmm. they had to do a song, a rap song, about the movie. Correct. Uh, in this case, the song would be Deepest Bluest by LL Cool J, mm. which if you listen to, go to the end of the movie, 
and I want to say the line of merit is deepest, bluest, my hand is like a shark's fin, I believe is what the line is. His hand, you see, is like a shark's fin. That's weird. You see what I mean? That's weird. His I, hand. I see what you're doing uh, right yeah. now. Uh, yeah, no. It's it's quite a track. Check it out. Hello, Cool J. I think it's called <laughs> Deepest Bluest. Don't Look it up. Skip it. You're busy uh, this week. <laughs> uh, all right. Also, uh, I just wanted you to weigh in on a debate that's been going around. Me and Sarah Foss talked about during the interview. What do you do with the free bread when you sit down at the table at a restaurant? You eat it, or do you let it pass? What the hell kind of question is that? You eat the you eat the bread. You eat the bread. Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't have to sit there and like hammer down a loaf. You got food coming, but like you have some bread. There's been some conjecture online that it is low class to eat the free bread. There's all sorts of conjecture online. They put the bread out there for you to enjoy. Like I don't. If you're well, how about this for you folks? I, you think it's low class to enjoy the free bread? How about you start going to restaurants where the free bread is worth it? Because if those people are cooking that bread every single morning in the back and putting out some lovely butter or oil with it, I guarantee they want you to eat it. So maybe you're just going to places with low-class bread. You know who, How about that? You know who weirdly has a really good bread? Who? Uh, babes. <laughs> See? <laughs> Artisans. Artis first thing in the morning, every morning. No, you like bread. A little bit of bread with butter. It's the, you literally, the whole, like, they call, when you say you're having a meal, you're breaking bread with people. Something symbolic to share in that bread when you sit down with your drink and talking and getting set up. I'll say this. You know, leave the bread. When we, when I was working at Carmine's, our bread bowl was impressive. Mm -hmm. And people wanted more of it. Mm. To the point where we were like, nah, no more bread for you. Because we gave you, like, little pieces of, like, tomato pie, essentially, in there. And little pieces of, like, onion Tomato pie with like mm -hmm. no tomatoes, just the sauteed onions. Yeah. People like that. That shit would fly off the shelf. Well, I know exactly what it's like because years ago I worked at an Outback Steakhouse mm -hmm. for a little while, and they had that honey wheat bread that Yo. people go nuts Yo. for with the honey butter. And yeah, people would go wild for the bread. We would have people come in and ask to buy like a bag of it. Came with, like twelve loaves, like a supermarket bag, when they got shipped to us. Like, can I just buy a bag of this for my house? We'd sell it to them. Uh, so yeah, yeah. If people go wild for it. Yeah, why sure. not eat the bread? It's you're at a restaurant to eat food. They put food on the table. Like, get out of your own head. Just enjoy yourself. It's not that serious. Eat the bread. Delmonico's great bread. Delmonico's very good bread. Great bread. Mm -hmm. Although that's not really fair. Because they have like the you do good that's bread. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I'm that's what I'm saying. If you're going to fair. a restaurant, yeah. I mean, you go to a place like Taylor and the uh, Cook, the bread is going to be great because it's a great restaurant. Uh, in what's become a recurring segment, I pull up a, an article from Light98.7, and mm. we decide whether this is a good article or not. Doing the heavy lifting. Heavy lifting. Content. Yeah, the best ice cream in the Utica area. Top five places, plus some honorable mentions. Kev, oh. are you ready? Yeah, hit me. Honorable mention number one, Burn Dairy. Uh, yeah. I mean... Yeah, I respect that. Honorable mention number two, Burstone Ice Cream Parlor. Shout out. I have a lot of sentimental memories of the Burstone Ice Cream Parlor. I'm glad they're still doing their work over there. Why am I forgetting which one that was? Uh, it's right across from, like, it's next to, like, Notre Dame. That's what that one is? That's that first, little one, like, okay. the big one stand with the ice treat. cream. It's been called yeah. many things. I think it might have been a tasty treat. Uh, Voss's. Voss, I guess. Pe people love the ice cream out there. What can you say? Papa Charlie's. How many honorable mentions? I didn't even know this. I've never heard of Papa Charlie's. Don't know what it is. All right, number five. We're getting into the actual numbers here. You ready? Hit me. Number five, Bonomo's. This seems low. I'm on guard. My mom's a big fan. I like, I love Bonomo's. They yeah. change up the soft serve flavor like every week in the summer, and they have really good flavors like coffee and different stuff like that. Number four, Tasty Treat. I don't know what that is. Coventry Ave in Utica. Oh, North Utica. Tasty yeah, treat. no, I don't, I don't go up there. It's right where like Trenton Road mm -hmm. and when you go up in between there. Number three, Cookie Q's. Yo, people love that place. I've never been. <laughs> the Cookie Q's. It's hard to get to if you're coming from <laughs> it is my, my side of the bridge. If I'm headed north, like you got to like turn across traffic or turn around. I need to be going to Handshake City. 
Mm. So that I can pull in, pull back so, out, and then pull right in the hand station with my ice cream. Look, an ice cream truck down there. It's an ice cream cart. Number two, Nick Doodles. Mr. Nick Doodles. Nicky Doodles. Uh, uh, people go nuts for that place, too. That's It's uh, all right. It's all right. I think their food's actually better than their ice cream. Interesting. I prefer like, their like, fish sandwich. It's actually not too bad. Mm, there you go. Decent little fish sandwich. <laughs> like, everybody's like, hey, you want to come out and get ice cream with us? And everybody's like, fish yeah, we're sandwich. all going to get ice cream. There's like six people eating an ice cream cone. You're like, I've got a ah, fish sandwich. Ah, yeah. Delicious. Hot you got any tartar sauce? And then, of course, number one, the ice cream factory in Chadwick's, New York. You got to... Can't take it away from them. I would do a move, great job. I think everything's fine. I would move Bonomo's up to number two ahead of the other places. I'm with that. I think that's the only change I, I think, would make. I think the thing with like the the Cookie Q's and the the Nicky Doodles is they've got like wild Sunday options. Mm-hmm. I feel like those are places you can go where they'll put like you know like cinnamon toast crunch and peanut butter cups and four sauces. And I think they got like big conglomerations, so that ranks high. Bonomo's is a little more just like get some soft serve or like some old school ice cream sundays. Yeah, yeah. I'm an old school guy too. Just give me like a cherry dip. That's all I'm looking for. A little cherry dip. All right. Let's get into some local news this week. And a lot of it's about weather. Kev, our weather has been wild here. We had a tornado. All over the country. In West. Weather has been wild. Is this the end times? Did we get into the end times? We know what this is. <laughs> They've been saying. I feel bad because Heather and I were joking about tornadoes last, like two weeks ago on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And now, no joke, like big time tornadoes in mm-hmm. Westernville. Uh, and crazy flooding across uh, the region. Kev, what are your thoughts about the flooding? I think like we're just going to keep getting flooded. We're going to keep yeah. getting more rain. This is yeah. no good. No. no it's, this This is very bad, yeah. <laughs> this is very, very bad. Uh, Did you see the flooding? There's like London is underwater today. London had like flooding like they've never seen. There's videos from all over New York City. Did you see the subway was underwater well, for a while? That's what I was just going to say. People coming up out of like four feet of water in the steps. Do you know how mad New I would York be? New York City subway water. You know how mad I would be? And that's the thing too, right? Like if you see that subway water come up, it's like gross and filthy and yeah, disgusting. Oh my, the like, grossest water. Barely water. <laughs> Literally barely water. Uh, I, uh... Yeah, the New York City subway is going to be underwater really soon. It's going to be a big problem. Mm-hmm. Big time problem. For sure. For everybody. Y'all have to move out of New York, guys. I hate to say it. Oh, yeah. It's tough. I feel like if I'm if I'm out there, I'm number one, if it's like that, I'm not leaving my house. But if I'm out of my house and that's already happened, we're just walking it. Walking we're, it. We're not doing the subway. We're doing something. We're going somewhere. We're just ducking in. We're dock up somewhere. I remember during Hurricane. Find a bar. A couple days after Hurricane Sandy, when they started opening businesses back up mm. in New York, uh, what's crazy is, like, part of New York City, Manhattan was underwater, and mm. part of it wasn't, right? Like, so you'd get to, like, a certain street going south, and suddenly it's just, like, you couldn't go anymore. Yeah. Right? Like, it's pretty wild. And again, there was no subway, so we were, there were, like, hour-long lines for buses to go across the bridge into Brooklyn. They'd just mm-hmm. drop you off somewhere in Brooklyn. It was quite a, quite a scene. During the, the Sandy recovery times. Yeah, man, I can't imagine. But these people living in areas where it floods and stuff like that, it's a tough situation, too, because, you know, when you're tied into a mortgage on a home, right, that's now in a flood zone, that maybe you bought that house 10 years ago and you didn't get flooding, but now you've had, like, five major floods in the last, like, four or five years, I, you, what do you do? Because the bank doesn't really care. Nope. The bank still needs their money on that. You know what I mean? You can't sell it to anybody. Like There's some areas I look at in neighborhoods, like uh, that last little neighborhood on the left before you go into the bridge in New Hartford, where a couple of our friends grew up when we were younger. Yep. Right there next to the creek, all the houses on the back line of that now, which are like nice houses in like a nice South Utica neighborhood, are all the ones I see for sale. They've been up for sale for like two years in this market where everything is selling, and the houses are listed at like... 
65% of the yeah. value because they just keep getting flooding and like the basements and like you gotta you know cost a lot of money to clean up you have to have specific separate flood insurance uh, I mean flooding is gonna be it seems like it's gonna be a growing problem for a long time for a lot of areas so we gotta you know I, I don't know what you do to address it but it's it's not going away it doesn't seem so y'all ever watch Geostorm? I watched like the first 10 minutes of Geostorm when it was on TV once and it genuinely made me want to watch the rest of the movie. You know I love a big disaster. Climb. I like 2012. I like Under the day rain. after tomorrow. Yep. I like all of them. Anything like that is good for me. So yeah, I watched Geostorm. Uh, some uh, some news from the Stanley Theater. The very first live performance at the Stanley Theater since the pandemic started is coming up. It's going to be September 22nd. Hall of Fame rock and roller mm. Alice... Cooper. Oh, man. Can you name one Alice Cooper song for me? Uh, yeah. School's Out for Summer. School's Out. School's Out for Summer, yeah. Feed My Frankenstein. Feed My Frankenstein. Feed My Frankenstein. Uh, The shock rocker who is touring with former Kiss guitarist Ace Frehley as his Mm -hmm. opening act. Well, Mark Utica is the only gig in New York for his old Black Eyes is Back 2021-2022 tour. Have you had thoughts about Alice Cooper? Um, yeah, I can't. I mean, you gotta respect it. Dude, I, I would be lying if I said that Alice Cooper's music ever meant anything to me in my life. Other than yeah. maybe, like, School's Out for Summer in the movie Scream. Yeah. But, like, other, really, like, I mean, I didn't listen to Alice Cooper or anything. But like, I really respect the notion of, like, this guy being, like, an early guy who's like, yeah, I'm gonna go out here and just be kind of weird and watch, like, Middle America freak out about it. And I like that he's still ripping up to this late age. Like, anybody who's still cranking and playing rock and roll shows into their 70s is okay with me, for the most part, besides, like, Eric Clapton. I think it's hilarious that... <laughs> I think it's hilarious. I see what you did there. Uh, that Alice Cooper is, like, this old shock rock, like, horror movie kind of crazy guy to make up. Mm-hmm. But also, what everything is for the nobody, he's like... A, just like a grandpa. Just avid a really golfer. nice grandpa like, that likes to play golf and hang Loves out, to play nice golf. Guy. <laughs> I'm here for it. Alice Cooper, um, known in music industry circles for always, always mm. traveling with the tightest band. Because mm. as a guy who's a solo guy, you know, he has to hire a band every time he goes on tour. And he's got like a long-time band he's been playing with for you know decades now. But always known for having one of the tightest, sharpest bands with the best musicians. And everybody loves to go on his tours, I guess, because like it's fun and like he's yeah. a nice guy and he takes care of his people and everything. So good for him. Um, I don't know if I'll go. Depend because yeah. really it depends how expensive it is. Like Alice, Alice Cooper is not a hundred dollar ticket for me, but I'd go see Alice true. Cooper for thirty bucks at the Stanley. Why not? You know what I mean. So, Ace Freely, you get to hear back the New York groove. At the start me, of the show. Come on, Freely. I I wouldn't even be that excited about seeing Kiss. No, Kiss sucks. So That's just why. Ace Freely. <laughs> it's not for me. But, but bonus loop, uh, people should go if they if it's their thing. Speaking of things that are not for me, uh, in the news this week, billionaire Richard Branson reached space. In his own private spaceship. Kevin, you're shaking your head. <laughs> Yo, number one. <laughs> what? This man was a passenger for a very short time in a plane that went pretty high. Uh, yeah. Like, did the people are out here like Richard Branson in his craft of reached space like he's Captain Stephen Hiller from Independence Day. When actually, he's just a very old man with a lot of money who was a passenger and like other people doing this thing and something that he financed. I'm going to read the opening line from this AP article and try not to gag, okay? Swashbuckling billionaire Richard Bronson hurtled into space aboard his own winged rocket ship Sunday, 
bringing astro-tourism a step closer to reality and beating out his exceedingly richer rival, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, this is disgusting. That makes, everything about this makes me want to throw up. Everybody in this country should watch the show Succession. Because <laughs> I can't not just, like, not because now I know that it's just, like, Logan Roy back here being, like, and not saying that it was specifically oh, about man. Branson. It's about, like, a lot of these kind of people. But now, I like, come on. <laughs> And people just hook, line, and sinker. They're like, oh, these guys, these guys are racing for... They're not. Nah, man. Nah, man. Not for me. Uh, Stay up there. You're like, it's so Yo, they should send Bezos and Branson and uh, Elon. All to Mars. Please. Do it. All Go to Mars. About 500 people watched him, though, so there were about 500 people who came out to watch it happen. That's like nothing. It's like nothing. I played in front of five... I played in front of 500 people (laughs) in... Utica, New York. Like, what do you? <laughs> that's who came out to see your spa, your space rocket launch. That's not enough. Uh, and let's do uh, some very quick uh, sports news. Uh, some weird sports news, uh, guys. Italy won the European Soccer Championship yesterday, defeating England uh, in a penalty shootout. It was quite a scene. Mm. Very sad moments for the young English lads as they blew it mm. in the shootout to the mm. Italians. Hilarious. Hilarious. Uh, so, I got to talk about a song. It's been making the rounds on social media. You've probably seen it if you're on Twitter or anyone talking about this or anything. It's called It's Coming yeah, Home. For all y'all folks on soccer Twitter. All you folks on soccer Twitter. The song is called It's Coming Home. It's by a band called mm-hmm. The Lightning Seeds. It's from 1985. And mm. the song was recorded in 1985 as a... Uh, England soccer anthem. It's coming home. It's coming home. Sure. Football's coming home. The idea that England is where football was created, right? But what I think is hilarious about this... Do we, do we have a citation on that? So I've done a little bit of research on this. It's one of those things that's sort of like, did they invent the idea of kicking a ball around? No. But did they put the rules on paper, like James Nace, like the basketball thing? Did they write down the rules and create association football? Yes. That did happen first in England, right? Uh, association it football. Is the the organized football, you know, association today, right? Far be it from me to mistrust the British or to suggest that perhaps they found <coughs> something somewhere yeah, and somehow sure. appropriated it in their own name. <laughs> I'm just going to need a little more citation from the English directly uh, about about them inventing the game of soccer. Well, I think that's a fair point. But what I was getting at was they wrote this song in 1985. England mm. had not won a major championship since 1960, 66 maybe, mm. right? So since this song has come out, England has never won a major tournament. And every time they get far enough in a tournament, this song comes up as like the song they sing, and they always lose. It happens all the time. Right. Maybe don't sing the song anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I was thinking. It's like, this song only exists to troll you. The only reason this song exists is when England loses to Italy, the Italian fans sing It's Coming Home to the English. Right? Mm -hmm. This happens all the time. It feels like a mistake. I think they should retire the song, even though I kind of like the song. Mm. Thoughts? Um, I love to see... I love when fan bases psych themselves out on stuff. I love when it's like, I think it's the song. Like, when it's gone on. When it's gone on long enough that fan bases are like, I don't know, we, we gotta do something. We gotta repave the parking lot. Or yeah. like just some sort of crazy stuff. 
Um, so yeah, I buy into it, and I say retire the songs. I listen to it, and I it's no great shakes for me. I'll no, say. It's, it's fine. Um, but yeah, I it's I love it's one of those teams you just love to see them lose. Some teams you just love to see them get this close and lose. It's so weird because I turned on them like in the middle of the game mm-hmm. because I was like, you know, there's a lot of players in this English team I like. I watch the Premier League. All these guys are big stars in the sure. Premier League. And then as I'm watching the game and I'm watching them blow it, I'm like, nah, Italy's winning this. It just, yeah. feel, it just feels like Italy's going to win. They just are, man. That's the way it goes. It's been a long time since you've been over in East Utica. It's been eight <laughs> my Italian brethren. You know what, though? This team's all full of Northern Italians, and they look down at us, the Southern Italians. They treat us like like garbage. It has not been a long time since you've watched Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> I spit on the North. They treat us like garbage. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, I'm going to skip past the rest of the stuff this week. And let's just get to our interview mm-hmm. uh, with the head lady behind United County Tourism. One dear of, friend of the podcast. Dear friend. One of my favorite people in the world. Sarah Foster, back after six months. Uh, I don't think there's anyone in the world who's happier that things are opening back up than Sarah Foster and the folks at United County Tourism. It's tough to do tourism. It's tough to do tourism. It's tough to do tourism. I'd be, I'm interested to see what they what they did and how they pulled through it. So great conversation with her. We talk a lot about the gym. We're gym people now because we're just like gym folks. I got that your lead. We're like, yeah, listen, let's talk about the gym. Yeah, the gym. We're talking about the gym. Uh, we talked about, well, you can tell we're just normal people talking. The gym, the James. The James. Uh, we talked about uh, wedding stuff. And of course, we're talking about New York opening back up with Sarah Foster in just a moment. Star. Hey Sam. What's up? What's up? Hang on, turn my volume up here. Uh, I know I'm gonna get my camera in a second. Don't I'm gonna be eating for a minute too. <laughs> You're allowed to eat. You're not oh. gonna bother me by eating. Oh my god. Oh, what a morning. <laughs> uh, just a reminder because I'm bad at this. We are technically recording right now. Yes, they they just informed me when I opened this. <laughs> it's being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we don't have to go into this a whole deal. But I feel like I should warn you because I haven't talked to anybody about this since last week. Okay. Um, I have a minor injury in my ear. So I'm like kind of deaf in this ear at the moment. So if I make you repeat yourself, it's because I can't hear anything. Oh, Sam, are you all right? Well, I talked about it last week. We won't go into the huge details about it. But uh, I had a Q-tip related accident. Oh. And uh, And I'm... I've lost a bunch of hearing in this ear. I don't think it's permanent. I would say that from last time, our listen, I'm, we probably didn't talk about this in the show. Since last week, it feels like it's gotten a little better, but I have a, yeah. I have like a meeting with an ENT on Friday, just as I want somebody to look at my ear and be like, yeah, this is what's going on. Right, yeah, be able to like give you a little indication of what to expect. Like, it, should I get used to this being my level of hearing for the rest of my life? Should I assume this is going to get better? I don't know. It doesn't matter necessarily. I'm not like totally deaf. Yeah. Oh but man. Yeah. Super weird. Uh, so yeah, there you go. That's the story. So if I do the what what's going on, that's because I can't hear anything. Look at you drinking out of the protein the protein shake too like a champion people can't see it I know, it's like our we do our daily smoothies i do have two types of protein in it <laughs> wait a second don't go anywhere just yet i want to show you something 
Don't go anywhere just yet. I'll be right back. Hey. So, I don't know if you are aware of this. I uh, I started going to the gym about a month and a half ago. You might be aware of this because I saw you. I saw you with Marcy. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that for a second, too, because Marcy, I got to give her a lot of credit. I have to give her all the credit here. Uh, I did that thing that people sometimes do when they're feeling bad about themselves. <laughs> and I, I went on Twitter and I just typed in, who has a gym membership that I can leak <laughs> off of because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and of all the people who responded to me, like within like 10 minutes, Marcy was like, yeah, you can come with me if you want. And we went together for a couple weeks before she cut me loose because our timings got, I got <laughs> she cut me loose. She cut, listen, I get it. My fly schedule, away, little bird. <laughs> fly away, please fly away. Yeah, stop, stop my, my membership. Uh, no, our schedules just stopped lining up in terms of like being able to go together. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, while we were doing the work and everything, I was really feeling kind of bad about myself because I was feeling out of shape. And um, she gave me some protein supplement. She's like, oh, here, take some of this protein supplement you can use it as a meal replacement. So I got it and it was delicious. It was yeah, really, interesting. It was really good. So in the morning I was doing it as like a meal replacement. I'm like, God, oh, this is great. I'm gonna start How, what, like, what was the form of it? It was called Form One, if I remember the name of the brand. I mean, like, was it a powder? The powder, it was a powder. Okay. So I was like, this is great. I'm gonna start doing this all the time and just start cutting out breakfasts so I don't feel so fat, right? Yeah, so yeah. I, so I went to the store to try and buy it, it was really expensive. So I was like, all right, let me find a different one. I went on Amazon and I bought whatever this is. It's called Proof yeah. It. Yeah. It's so gross. It's so gross. I spent like 40 bucks on it. It's disgusting. I had to go buy the fancy bottle with a little blender inside of it. That oh, I yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Honestly, proteins are tough. And thank God I have James because he does all the research. Like, I would either not do it or I would just be lazy and buy one. But yeah. we have a coconut chocolate right now and then we have a peanut butter chocolate and I insisted I, I basically like he wanted to get plain chocolate and I was like no and the one was out of stock so like we somehow wound up with two and they're like twice the size of that they're literally like this big and we put them in our we put a scoop of each in our smoothies in the morning mixed with like fruits and yogurt and almond milk but then when we go to the gym we bring it and mix it with water but like it's better with almond milk, but it's like just to cut out a few extra calories. Marcy told me that almond milk is the way to go. How long have you guys been doing the the gym as a couple thing? Uh, a few years. I mean, we we've gone through our phases. I was like super intimidated. Um, oh yeah. When we first suggested we still lived in Marcy. I think when we first started going, and it would always be like before a vacation. Um. And he was like, honestly, I was like, I don't want to weight lift. Like, I don't want to get bulky. And he's like, it's a huge misconception. Like women, you're not going to get bulky. You just like control the weights that you're doing. So he pretty much taught me literally everything. And I feel so confident now going to the gym. I'm like, I can lift. I know I can go to the machines. Like, but yeah, we, last year in January, we started going before Aruba and before COVID. Yeah. And I did not realize how out of shape we were. Like it was... Oh gross I, I you don't even realize it we look at pictures of ourselves now we, I think we I probably lost over like 20 pounds and like I wasn't like setting out to be like I need to lose weight I just like wanted to feel better like kind of what you're saying I wanted that like confidence back oh. and we've kind of just stuck with it since now we like walk all the time together too <laughs> well we didn't I, I didn't want to come talk to you in the gym because I know that there's like 
Uh, so you know, we get in the zone. I know people, no, just in general, I don't like talking to anybody at the gym because like people are doing their own thing. But it was funny because me and Marcy were doing our, our cool down and we were we were like, look at these two. They're in just they're in such great shape now. Like we we were doing the weird, like we were doing the weird male gazy thing from across. We're like, look at those two. Look so good. <laughs> she like sent me a picture of both of us. <laughs> She's like, I'm creeping on you. Guys. I, I told her, I was like, you're gonna get in trouble for doing that. People are gonna not right. know that we know you. They're gonna like, oh, you're taking pictures of randoms at the gym. Uh, Posting well, it for the likes. <laughs> well, I have to ask, you know, cause I was never a gym person. Like I was, really intimidated to go. And I think that's for a lot of people out there, cause you were saying the same kind of thing. I think that's a big uh, barrier for a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, it's like a hurdle for sure. Uh, but honestly, it didn't take too long before I felt pretty comfortable in there and just like, whatever, I'm just gonna do. No one really wants to come talk to you generally. So you can just sort of get yeah. in and out and that's fine. Exactly. The, the thing that's made a difference for us, like when we were going last year, we started, I basically felt inefficient and I hate feeling inefficient. And we were going, I swear to God, for three hours. And it was like, if you were going to the gym for that long and not being efficient, it's just like, a, it feels like a complete waste. So we started writing out our workouts in advance. And so like today we're going to do legs and shoulders and it's like James's week to make the workouts, but like we'll alternate who gets to make them. And then we put it in an Excel document and then we actually track like what now what we're doing. So that's why like every time we do an exercise, we pull our phones out. It's not like, cause I'm like texting. We're literally like tracking what our weights are and like how, you know, how many sets we always do five sets. And then it's helpful. Like if I were to go to another gym and be like, oh shit, like what did I use again? I could be like, oh, I can, I know I can, you know, do a bicep curl of up to like 12 pounds or like whatever it is. So yeah, it, it just, and it makes it go easier. So we're like, okay, we know we're on cables right now, but if the cables are taken, we'll go to the benches and do those workouts. Like it, it all helps, I think, make that process less intimidating and overwhelming. I think too, and it's something I found that was appealing to me about it. I kind of realized that like, you don't really have to spend three hours in there too. Like just the idea no. that you go do that, like 60, 75 minutes. If you're doing it three, four times a week, it's kind of the same idea anyway. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's more because we would do so many reps that it would just take forever, and then we'd be like, "Oh, let's end with abs," or we do cardio. But now I'm like, "No, I'd rather do cardio at home and go out and walk." Well, you, you know, know the scam is the big scam though is even with all the like the gym stuff and like doing the cardio and doing stuff. I still had to change my diet, which at the end of the day was worse than actually working out. Like I don't mind working out, but I hate having to like stop eating. That's the worst. Mm -hmm. I know. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a lot. Well, <laughs> and sometimes, like now that it's summer, it's like, and we're back to like, not normal, but like, it feels somewhat normal. It feels it's like I'm drinking so much more again. And I, I can just tell that like, I'm like, I, this is not the year to let it go. <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> I've, been, track. I've been off for a week cause I was on vacation and then I've been slow going cause of this ear thing. And I've been like trying to get back into it. But even yesterday, like, you know, it seemed like a healthy enough day until good friend of the pod, Zach Wilson, showed up after his um, his gender reveal party with like a bottles of rosé for us to drink. Oh, no. <laughs> like, oh, we've drink we were drinking rosé, guys. So let's go. Oh, yeah. Classy. Um, so. What was I going to say? I was initially under the thought that you guys started going to the gym to get ready for your wedding date, which is rapidly approaching. You guys are like 100 ish days away. Am I wrong now? Yeah, like 115. I or I don't even know around there. I can't fucking believe it. <laughs> like, oh, why are we doing this? Why not? No, it should be exciting. I saw on your Instagram that you secured the bag. You got your. I dress. secured the bag. Got the, yeah. 
you know, got the dress last week. Uh, I don't even know. No, it's like fun, but it's also just so overwhelming and it's like a stupid amount of money. And I feel like I said this to you last time we talked, it's, it's a lot, but then we were trying to like yesterday, we were talking about like honeymoon planning and like, you know, it's like something different, like get excited about it. We haven't taken like a huge vacation. I mean, we, we were fortunate. We went to Mexico in April, but like, you know, we usually try to go on a crazy adventure and we haven't in a couple of years. So we were like planning and then we're like, fuck, we don't even know like what countries are going to be open in November or December. So it's kind of like, it was like, we got really amped up and then just totally deflated by COVID again. <laughs> well, and, then, and, and we can get to that. I have a question about the wedding dress though, because I want to talk about that too, but yeah, you posted on the Instagram, just you holding up the bag. And I thought, mm-hmm. now I am, as a man, I'm, I'm naive to a lot of this stuff. So James can't see this dress at all until the wedding. Correct. That's that was, the tradition, yeah. And he didn't show up at all to do any of the process of helping you pick it out then, I would imagine. No. So what's that process like on your end? Like, did that was that a struggle to do this? Or did you have to, like, bring your friends with you to help you out? Like, how does that work for people when you're like, going through that process? Everyone is different. Like, some people will go with their mom and their mother-in-law and their sisters and aunt or, like, whoever. Like, it, it totally depends on the purpose. But we went dress shopping in December in Syracuse. And I, I knew 100% my mom and I would go. And then I asked, um, it was like my maid of honor and my matron of honor. Kelly Sneeze is a matron. Um, So they all met me in Syracuse and we went to two shops. And I basically had an idea of like, I had been saving all these dresses. We're getting married in November. So I was like, I want this like long sleeve gown, like super romantic. My dress is nothing. It's not long sleeved. And James knows this too. And it was just like everything I thought I knew I wanted for a dress I, I went the opposite and I spent like two and a half hours in one shop and because of COVID they'd only let me bring in two guests but like fortunately yeah. both of them were like oh we'll sneak in your third um because I thought someone was gonna have to wait in the car but it was more like I totally trust their opinions I for the most part know when James thinks I look good <laughs> you know if I'll ask him all the time we're, we're going to a wedding in two weeks and I was like doing a fashion show for him the other day and he's like yeah I love this and I love this so I, I have an idea of his taste and like what's gonna make his heart like go a little faster when he sees me walking down the aisle <laughs> so weird and I'm sure that James is like this because I used to think about this with like women when I would be dating them for a long time and they would like I'm like, I think you look good in all of these outfits. So it's like, it's kind of irrelevant to me. Like I'm, yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lie to you, right? Like, <laughs> right. I wanted the perfect mix of like romantic slash fall slash a little sexy, but not like, oh my God, I look like crazy. <laughs> so oh, I think I, I think I perfectly nailed it. <laughs> well, the reason I bring it up, I think too, is because I've talked about this with Kevin before in the past. For men, there's not really that many options like yeah you can do the vest or no vest you can do cummerbund but it's a tuxedo generally and for most men unless you're like a really well-to-do like in good shape and you wear it all the time most guys don't own a tuxedo you're going to rent a tuxedo you don't i can't imagine that james owns a tuxedo for casual like occasions no but he wants one he's like he really wants to buy one now and he might for the wedding it's a it's a g move if you're gonna do it because this is is something adam goldstein used to tell me right if you own the suit, you can get it tailored and then it'll fit correctly. If you mm-hmm. go to rent a tux, you're probably swimming in that tux. It's all big and baggy. It doesn't fit. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 
I that's like an old man thing that I've leaned into as I get older. I'm like, I would need to have a tailor come and do this suit for me specifically. A hundred percent. And I'd also have to like start watching my weight to make sure I don't get too fat for the suit again. So it's like a whole. Well, that's like I know. I feel like there can be a huge fluctuation, even like from when he had done a tux fitting. I feel like it was it was definitely in 2020. It was like end of 2020, probably. Yeah. For this wedding that's in two weeks that he's in, and so we're gonna go out on Friday for the rehearsal dinner and he has to get the tux in and I'm like oh like that would stress me out like what if it doesn't fit the wedding is the next day so <laughs> well, he's like well we don't we I'm like maybe we go out Thursday and just get your tux and do the fitting and then drive I mean, back uh, again Friday like <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty constant wedding issue though like every wedding I've ever been in there's always a question about how soon you're supposed to pick up the stuff like a lot of yeah. places you wouldn't get until the morning and you're like well, what am I supposed to do now if it's the morning and this is it right like, um see this is these are all the things that i, I shouldn't get you worried about because you should be worried about the exciting stuff like the 100 <laughs> days away from being <laughs> no i'm honestly i'm like not worried it was when we first got or when we picked the venue we immediately got our photographer videographer catering i did hair makeup so it was like all the huge things that i cared about the most they were good like dessert i don't want cake i wanted cupcakes so we like took care of that pretty promptly. It was like more after like, you know, DJ versus band. And now we're like going up and doing like decor and flowers and like that kind of stuff. What I've noticed with people that I've talked to about in the past about weddings is, you know, the people who are getting married genuinely know what they like. The problem tends to be with like, we have to do stuff at this wedding for other people. Sadly, yeah. this isn't just about James and you it's also about doing stuff like for your parents and for your family yeah. inviting and who do we have to come we have to bring if we're bringing these people we have to bring these people but I can't bring all right. these people, so we can't like that's all that seems like the part that's a pain in the ass that's like, a harder yeah it is um I don't know I feel like I almost think my parents must think that like at times that we're trying to like spite them yeah but we're really like I swear I'm like I just I don't want to do what everyone has done and like uh, we're it's a wedding it's hard to not replicate things because so many people have gotten married and all these things have been done but it's just like simple things that I think like it's even just a cake I was like I don't want a cake I'm I'm not gonna want to save it for every year and eat it on our anniversary I don't even really like cakes like I prefer like pretzels yeah, covering yeah. my cupcake or something weird. Like I'm a pie man, but I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's just like little things. And I, I feel though one, my mom is like, so about traditions and it's been hard to like combat that it, it just in even like my bridal shower is coming up and she wants me to open gifts so her friends can see. And I'm like, I hate being on a stage opening gifts in front of people like one of the worst you're asking for things that you've already or you're getting things that you've already asked for or like one was as simple as like the RSVP we were like we don't want to do RSVP cards let's just put it on our freaking website yeah. <laughs> and now my mom loves it she's like oh this is such a good idea like it's so nice that people can do that right I'm like I know that's the point we were making <laughs> like um how much and just for the sake of context for people so they can understand how much of this got like uh, thrown off by COVID stuff? Like, did you, how long did you guys have to push stuff back? How did the scheduling stuff go? Did, did most places get back to normal? Are you still sort of dealing with COVID regulation stuff no matter where you go? In terms of light, regular life or wedding? Like wedding stuff, like wedding stuff. Uh, 
so the background is that we we had a list of like even prior to getting engaged we talked about different types of venues and then when we got engaged i made this like wild excel document and i i was like looking for venues and the we're getting married in Casanova and it, it, this venue never even showed up when I was Google searching and it's insane. The reason I found it is because I was on Janelle, the photographer. Oh yeah. Yep. I went to her page and I was looking at her tagged photos and I saw this place called Windridge and I was like, I've never heard of it. Where is it? So I like looked into it and it's in Casanova. So it ended up being the first place we visited and the owner was like out of control amazing it she and her sister own it and she's like this is a property you get it for the entire weekend um you know we do this we do this they have a huge inventory of all these products everything from like candles to votives to vases to uh plates you have access to the entire thing oh nice we went to that and we, James and I were like, I feel like this is our venue. And she's like, you know, unfortunately all I have is November. And we were like, Oh, like the, we went in, in summer. It was like September. The venue looked stunning. It was just flowers everywhere, landscaping. And my mom was like, Oh, I feel like everything's going to be dead in November. So it kind of got in our head, but these two people, like the owner and her sister, they set the bar so high that we were like, Oh, this is what it's like to go look at venues. And then it was like other ones, they weren't responding for weeks. They were, they were not giving all the information. It was just like a really weird process, but we wanted to get married in 2021. I would have preferred earlier fall, but now the more that time goes on, the more I'm like so happy that we're going in November. And like James made the point, like we live in upstate New York. Why not just embrace the climate? Like I work in tourism. It's part of what we promote. And we we love this area for so many reasons so let's just you know make the best of it if it rains it does if it snows it does like we're at the end of the day we're gonna have a, a beautiful time anyway so well you talk about venues you know working for Oneida county tourism you know and going on all the places you you must see hundreds of venues just by accident even just like in the yeah. part of your daily job like list your job work you know what i mean well, hey, I, I got 100 percent I was at a wedding a couple of years ago at a place called Seven Ponds Farm. You ever been to Seven Ponds Farm in Summit, New York? Yeah. So I actually, I taught, I know who it was because I talked to Jill about it. And that was one of our main contenders for a venue, actually. Really? Yeah. Oh. It ended up just being, it was like the capacity, even though like we cut our list down so much because of COVID and now we've been able to add more, but it was, it was a concern with capacity and oh, yeah. it, that woman was on her game she was like she was so good at following up so good at providing extra information um but yeah that place was beautiful (laughs) I was really impressed with that venue but I did have to drive there in my car and I got there in the back road and until I pulled up to the venue I thought that they were sending me into like the woods I was like where am I going (laughs) what is happening yeah Uh, well let's talk about job stuff though while you're at it I'm very excited very looking forward to the wedding uh, speaking of which, Casanova, when you were in Casanova, did you get a chance to look at the Linkliner house? The Linkliner house when you were there? No. Uh, well, I, no, really but we, yeah, really we didn't look at it. Um, wait, is that the one that's on the corner on the water? No, it's on the main drag. It's on the little on the main- corner. It's just a little tiny, almost looks like a bed and breakfast, but they have like, yes, it's but right near the water. Okay. Right near the water. Yeah, yeah. There are two of them that are right near each other. Um, no, no. 
I didn't look at it as a venue because I didn't think it was big enough, but the one that was on the water I did, and it was almost the same thing. They, but they were like, we can only do weddings early in the day, not at night. Casanova kind of low key, really beautiful and nice and no one talks about Gorgeous. it. Gorgeous. I know it will. <laughs> it, it was like, we have, you know, we have, we've recommended like parks that people can go and visit like historic sites. Myers Brewing Company is there, Oera, Fly Creek. So it's like, and because we have this venue the entire weekend, we're like saying like, we want people to come in early and like spend more time with each other because especially because of COVID. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I feel like it's a place that I'm like really proud to like have, you know, our friends and family come and visit. I mean, I love Oneida County from the bottom of my heart, but it also, it was like, almost felt like a conflict of interest. Not that it would have been because I obviously could have gotten married here, but it was like, just a vision that I think James and I had in mind. Yeah. This venue that we chose like completely catered to that. that that's wonderful. Again, I'm really excited for you guys. Uh, you. Check it out. 115 days. It's coming quick. Speaking yeah. of coming quick, uh, you know, I, there's no way to say it without sounding corny. It does feel like post-COVID or toward the end of COVID, however you want to say it, we are starting to see normal life. Yesterday, you know, just in general, I was thinking about it yesterday when I went to the grocery store, stopped in the grocery store yesterday morning. And I was like, man, it's really crazy after everything that happened, how quickly everything just looks normal again. I know. It it's, felt like it was extremely sudden. Real quick. And it's, yeah. And I think it's interesting how quickly people are just like, well, we're okay with it. That's fine. We're back. Like I got yeah. sick last week for the first time in a year and a half because I went to Enchanted Forest with my niece and nephew and I knew I was getting <laughs> sick. And it's just like, even that was like, well, I guess that's it. This now we're this the first cold I've had in a year and a half because I didn't wear yeah. a mask in public, but. Right, you're like, damn, I should wear that mask more. I know, I, it's so funny. Uh, I got sick and then I went to the grocery store, or, or to the, the gas station the next day and I put the mask on and I was like, I know I don't have COVID, but I'm going to give people the flu if I walk in here. I feel like I should right. be regular. Uh, how is how has it been for you guys at at uh, at the tourism board? Just dealing with the reopening, has it been wildly busy? Have you guys been like rolling back into? How's the process been? It's a it's been an interesting process. Um, like in terms of just us working. So we reopened last July at the Thruway. Yeah. Um, and at, for a while we were alternating. Everyone would have one day a week in the office. Um, then we went back in November into the train station and then the numbers started rising again. So we went back home and I am still home, but I do think in the next couple of weeks, we're going to go back to hybrid and be like in a few days and then home. I, I, I which to me is like essential at this point. I, I think, I hope that businesses have learned. I mean, I know we have great conversations with Kelly about like what we feel comfortable with and just like a, the appreciation of flexibility and I think like to that point, like, I don't, I'd rather have flexibility in vacation over a raise. It's just yeah. like, that's yeah. what's important. And it's nice to feel trusted, but yeah, so we, we've been working home, but like last year we did videos throughout the summer and it was pretty much the only time we were like going out and seeing each other. And this year feels totally different. I'm like, I feel like we're gone multiple times a day, multiple in-person meetings, um, which, you know, it's not bad, but it's like crazy how time consuming it all is that I'm like, I feel like I lose an entire day just going to two video shoots. Well, it's so funny too. I saw, I think I saw somebody post about this and it was like, uh, I think it might've been Marcy actually. It's like worrying about meeting at 11 o'clock starts at 7 a.m. 
meeting at 11 o'clock and then like the hour afterwards you got to recover from the meeting you spent all day preparing. I know well she I had tweeted one the other day too that was like it was like the guy with a knife and yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. scheduled phone call during the day and I'm like I don't know why I am the way I am but if I know I have a call at three I'm like oh no so I feel like I'm like you know, nervous, like leading up to it. I'm like, why? Like, it's just like a simple phone call. And then I'm like, maybe I should just move my calls earlier in the morning. So I get them done with, and then I'm not worried about it the rest of the day. You know what I think drives me nuts? Uh, and this used to happen all the time at my work, right? I would have like a phone meeting at 1130, 12 o'clock and it would be like 8am. And I'm like, well, I got three hours to kill. What do I do? What do I do for these three hours? I guess I should do some work. I don't know. I know, like, but you're like, oh, but do I have time? Because I've got that nice. call. And like, <laughs> it's really weird. It is so weird. But, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, the reopening is definitely good for tourism. Um, the whole push last year, and I we're definitely continuing it. Is like letting locals know, and that's always my sub like sub goal is to just be like, hey, like there's so much happening in Oneida County. Um, and I think the like message that we stress is just, if you're not comfortable, then don't. And I, there are still like virtual options. There are still like, you can go to the restaurants and get takeout instead of dining in if you're not comfortable. So I think that it's, it was overwhelming. Like we, we went on to Mexico in April, we were fully vaccinated. And so like, by the time we got back, it was like, well, within that two week time period of like after being vaccinated, and we got there and it was like COVID what? Like we walked into town and it was like hundreds of people dancing, no masks. We looked like odd, you know, having our masks on. And it it kind of just got in our head and we were like, God, I am not ready to go back to life and wear masks again. Like how nice it was to be free and just wander into a store and not have to worry about it. And so when we came back, I feel like that is when everything started shifting. And then you even notice it with your friends and family too. It's like, people are like making up for lost time. And it was like, I went to a work event and everyone was like hugging and kissing on the cheek. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm like ready for this yet. Like I'll hug, but don't kiss me. <laughs> I, forget, I forget who it was. Like the first person who came back in studio when we did our interviews, I want to say it was, uh, I don't remember exactly who it was, but I know that Tim Schramm and Erica Zalatan came to the house a few weeks ago to do an interview and Erica gave me a hug and I was like, oh, this is nice. Like a mm -hmm. hug from a stranger. It's been such a yeah. long time since I've like been. So like little things like that, I've sort of noticed, like that's the sort of little things that makes me feel like it's getting normal again, right? Just, yeah. you know, and I hate the word normal because what makes me nervous, right? Is because we say normal, but like, let's say the news came out tomorrow that like, oh, there's like a new strain of COVID. I think people yeah. would be reluctant to jump back into doing the masks again. I think I think they're going to have a hard time getting people to, now that everyone's gotten like the taste of reality, that taste of how it used to be, even yeah. though it's different. It, it, I mean, I don't know, but like, I guess they could enforce it, but and I, I, I would feel I would do it if it if that's what they wanted, but it it, I think it'd be a hard time. It would be real hard. Uh, yeah. I have to ask, I saw you guys some posting uh, photos. You guys had your fam tour last week or the week before? Did you guys well, have? So we've actually, uh, we've, uh, we put out three weeks so far and then our final video is airing this Friday. And I saw that goat is getting a lot of play. You guys love that little goat that was floating around. Oh my God. Well, so we went to the lavender fields and I was like, 
So we had our headshots that day. We had a crazy morning. I had to do like a radio recording. Then we were getting headshots. Then we were doing the Spring Creek shoot. Then we were going to Copper City for a different type of like photo, like content. And I was like, you know what? I want to wear a cute dress to this lavender field. I'm like, I want some good pictures. Like I, you know, we saw the lavender and then these, the people that own the farm, they have little kids who you can just tell are so happy to be living on that farm that want to show you every animal they have. And they're like, guys, come with us. Look at the goats. The goats were just born like yesterday. So we're like, are we allowed in the pen? And they're like, yeah, come. And we're like, oh God, we're going to get their kids in trouble or we're going to get in trouble. And like, meanwhile, you know, my friend Liz and Alex and from Kiss, they're like over there shooting lavender and like doing the real video that they're supposed to be doing. And our team was like, uh, we're like a little bit distracted by the baby goats. We're just like in the pen holding them. They were chewing our dresses. Like <laughs> It's so funny because I just went to Enchanted Forest and they have those damn goats there and they're jerks. Because Some of them are. Well, because they're used to people. The only time they get excited is when people use the-, the Oh, the, feed them, the yeah. But by the time you go to the machine, they're already on you. Like I went to the machine, I put it in, I put it on like seven goats on me. I'm like, go away. I'm like, not going to give you any <laughs> I know. Uh, oh, yeah. And I, also, I got to mention, I saw that you guys, I think the last time you were on about six months ago, we were talking about that food A through Z that you guys are doing. Oh my God, right? was it that long ago? <laughs> and I think it just ended yesterday. It, so we, we did. did. We just went through A to Z. Congratulations. Oh my God. That campaign took me two to three months longer than I thought it would. But it was like the way that I was posting was every other photo or every other post yeah. was food. Yeah. So it, it was like, I... I never wanted to like rush it. And I learned about the campaign from another city. And I remember the guy saying, oh, every time I would do it, it would take me like at least an hour to write. And I'm like, oh, I know Instagram captions can take a while, but it was, I would do research on, on the restaurant. I would try to learn their history if I could. If I couldn't, I would be contacting them. Sometimes I'd have to be obtaining photos. Then we have an, an intern who um, Darby's Daily Eats on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We found her because she great food photos. But now she's like dual interning with us and then CND Advertising, who is our agency. Um, so yeah, she, I would be like, Darby, like, are you free today? Like, can you head over to Delta Lake Inn? And she's like, I'm on it. And like, you know, starts sending me pictures of salmon. And I'm like, oh, what a life. <laughs> I'm going to start following her on Instagram now. Um, she's so good. Uh, so Sarah, I want to thank you for spending some time with us today. Uh, before I let yeah. you go, I know we've kept you longer than I said we would. Uh, I have some fun questions for you. You want to do some fun questions before we head out? You have some- yeah. Last night I was like, what, do, what questions are Sam going to ask me? I have, me? One. I have <laughs> one. Uh, two of, and, and first I want to start here with two things I noticed on your Twitter feed that made me laugh. Uh, okay. Number one, you seem to be engaging in the debate that people are having about whether or not you're supposed to eat the free bread at <laughs> restaurants. Uh, I've seen this debate and I wanted to bring it up. I think it's odd. What a odd wild debate. Food. What a wild debate. I think that, <laughs> I eat that bread like the minute it gets the time, I'm usually ready for it. Yeah, me too. I ruin my dinner because of bread. <laughs> then I'm like, I have leftovers though because I ate the bread, so. <laughs> well, and, and I think that's the other thing though. I, I will argue that sometimes I won't eat the bread because I'm like, oh, I'm gonna ruin my appetite for the upcoming meal because I am that guy. So I will sometimes like let my niece and nephew eat the bread because I'm like, oh, no, I <laughs> Well, sometimes I, I'll and if I like, no, I have like a good sauce or like if I order a pasta, we went to um Francesca's Cucina. Okay. 
really bomb know. restaurant in Syracuse. We went for our friend's birthday and it was like a stretch bread almost. So it had like cheese kind of like melted oh, into yeah. it. And it came with this incredible red sauce. But then we were ordering gnocchi. So I was like, I'm going to save some of the bread to dip in my gnocchi sauce. Oh. So I, I strategic, but I, like, I'm sorry. If someone ever judged me on eating the bread the second it hit the table, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have friends. Like, <laughs> um, We, uh, we just went to Eagle Bay for a week. We were up there with my family. You, nice. I went to the Toboggan Inn in Eagle Bay. Okay. And I got an, something called the Eagle Bay Firehouse Chicken Sandwich. And I'm still thinking about it like a week later. Yeah, that good? I was. I, it wasn't even that good. It was just at the right time and place. I don't know what it was, but I'm still good thinking combo, about it. Like, uh, I don't know. It's yeah. like at the right moment in time. I don't know. I keep thinking about it when I go back. Well, uh, and the other sandwich. one... <laughs> and the other one is a, a a comment that you posted or you reposted that I feel like is how most people I know feel about the pandemic at the moment, which is essentially back to normal was fun for like two weeks. And now I have the urge to hibernate for months like a bear. <laughs> I, I think that's how most people are feeling. Like we were like, yeah, we're back in public. And now I'm just uh-huh. like, I'm already like, <laughs> what'd you say? I'm already looking for like reasons to leave when I get to a place now. I'm like, I oh know. yeah. It, it seemed that we had like multiple weekends in a row. It was like friend's birthday party, family birthday party. We went and visited my brother and his wife and my nephew. And it was like all exciting, happy things, but it's like, whoa. And then in, on top of it, adding in work and having to now leave for meetings. And we've been doing like between the fam tour, the food tour, our regular co-op. We're also building our content for our beverage trail. I've been leaving so much that I'm like, I am exhausted and it, it literally also comes back to health. Like I can tell that I am more unhealthy. You start eating more at events or we're going out to lunch all the time for work. And I'm like, I like, I, it's so nice to see people and COVID definitely made me like appreciate that. And it, it's like awesome to hug and like, you know, simple things like that. But I'm like, man, it was nice to like not have to feel guilty about rejecting plans. <laughs> uh Sarah Foster, these are some new lightning round questions that we've come up with for our guests. Uh, they are not the same ones we've had before. And I'm going to tell you some of these are tricky. So if you get. Oh, you get oh boy. All right. Uh, this one, though, is on brand. And I'm sure you'll give a good answer for this. Uh, what is the best trip or outing you remember going on as a kid? And what made it great? Uh, I would say we used to camp all the time when we were little and we had a group um, from Oneida. It was like four or five other families and everyone had kids the same age. And we would do like Delta Lake, Darien Lake, Lake George. It was the freaking best time ever, no matter what, because we would have scavenger hunts. We would be swimming. We'd be fishing. I would be dominating in flag football, or no, not even flag football, tackle football, because I was like taller than all the boys. It was just the best. It's like, oh my God, simple days. The parents were so happy just drinking beers around the fire. The kids were taking care of themselves. Like, yeah, that's, see, that's a great answer. And again, you, you get into a good point. Like, a lot of these outings, I think about all these outings, they're not always the greatest trips, but it's like you go in the family and you have these memories of certain things. And that's kind of what makes it great. Those little insular memories that like. Yeah, that's what I've said to James, like about our travels. Like I've asked him, like, what's our favorite trip that you've, what's your favorite trip that we've taken? And he says, Norway. And I'm like, Norway was sick, but oddly, like, I think mine is like when we went to Montana and Wyoming, because it's like that road trip vibe and like, just like the random anecdotes and like things that happen along the way. I'm like, that to me is like the best. You don't realize it when you're in it, but you realize it after. 
Oh yeah, no, big time. I think you're totally, I think you're spot on actually. I think you're yeah. totally right. Uh, here's a good one. What's something that's considered a basic part of your current career that you struggled to learn? Uh, I would say like social media management. It, it's really hard. And I, I, it wasn't like a primary thing when I started and then I kind of implemented it and it seemed like, oh, this is so easy. I'll just Instagram. And now it's like, well, we have our beverage trail, our cheese trail, our regular page having to be like consistent on everything. It's tough. Have you noticed a shift? I feel like I get way more response on Instagram now and no response at all on Twitter at anything. I feel like Twitter is like- I barely tweet. Like, yeah. I, I'm surprised you even found that I had tweeted. Like, thank God I put out a couple things in the past couple of weeks for you because I really, I don't, you, I go on and I troll. I just read what people say and I oh, never reply really. And like, unless I think something's super funny, but yeah, yeah Instagram is better. And like even um the the reels like that concept like that's been something I I, I self taught but like it's a really cool way to see I think uh, well like an example Morgan Melnicki she just did one and she like shouted out OC New York for the lavender fields and she did it at the lavender and it's like it's a, instead of doing ten photos where you swipe you just do this little thirty second video and it shows you like exactly what you can expect so yeah it's it's hard to learn how to manage it all and keep up with your regular job too. <laughs> I won't, uh, I won't hit you with the two hard questions because we're running late, but I will give you the last one. We are opening the Uticast Deli, and we're going to name a sandwich after you, the Sarah Foster. What would you like to be on the Sarah Foster sandwich? <laughs> oh, I would say, well, I'd, I'd have to go either buffalo chicken or I would do like a grilled chicken with like some type of like um, basil pesto. Yes. Yes. Red onion, uh, probably like a good pepper jack cheese, oh, lettuce, toasted though, or like ciabatta. <laughs> like, yeah, not just regular white bread. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, give me, uh, give me one book, album, movie, or television show that you and James are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Uh, I this is the one I was always prepping for. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> we just started the fourth season of Atypical last night. Um, and I have loved that show. And uh, we fin we just finished Lucifer. I love Lucifer. Huh. Um, kind of a crazy ending, like yeah. totally unexpected. But yeah, I love love that one. I'm going to ask Kevin. About, I think Kevin watched that one. I got to ask what his thoughts were on that. Uh, it ended up being way better than I expected. I had very low expectations going in. <laughs> I started watching The Wire, which is like an old yeah. show. And I don't know, you know, people who watched it would be like, oh, I can't believe you didn't watch it already. But that's like five seasons and it's all pretty heady. And it was like a lot. Like I'm the first two scenes, I had to take a break. I was like, I'm really yeah. enjoying this, but it's like very heavy and very like. Well, the it's good. I honestly do believe it's good to have like the variety. I felt like for a while we were watching like um, Who Killed Sarah? Like that show is also amazing, but it, it would be intense. And like, so I would be like, we need to have like a show that we come down from like right before bed. Like if you watch something scary, watch something a little bit uplifting right before I had to walk up. I had to walk up the street to the Riley's last night to drop off some paperwork that I needed Katie to help me out with. And, yeah. And I feel like every time I walk into their house, they're always watching some true crime nonsense. Like they love. Yeah, true crime. Yeah. I don't know what's going on over there. Like they love true crime. I know everyone loves it, but I'm like, I, I feel like I'm always. I, I know. Walk it's always like, and then the murderer came into the bedroom. Like, oh God, what happened? What's going on? I know. Uh, 
<laughs> Sarah, it is an uh, absolute pleasure as always to spend time with you. We're, we're so excited that you've secured the bag and that the wedding is coming up. Uh, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll give you some free time uh, after the wedding to hang out, but we'll have to get you back on uh, in another And I'll be there in person. We'll do a, We'll do an evening recording. And you're always, you're always welcome here even if you're not recording, you know that. Tell Thank you. you. Hello, we love you guys and uh, we'll talk uh, to you. So good to see you, Sam. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. turned out there you go. anything crazy happens what would crazy happen what could possibly happen never know <laughs> you never know. know weddings are usually so nice it's weird i go to a lot of weddings now like playing at weddings so i've got a weird yeah. like my perspective has shifted on weddings i feel like since i've been doing this this gig yeah that makes a lot of sense though mm. uh all right so heather's not here which means that instead of doing no history lessons we're doing extra history lessons kevin what oh, how Fucking dare you. <laughs> what do you mean? We were going to do no history lessons, but now I get double. Double history lessons. All right, read That's to right. me. All right. Read to me. <laughs> On this day, 1798, uh, French revolutionaries storm the Bastille. By the summer of 1789, France was quickly moving toward revolution. Bernard René Jordan de Launay, what a name, the military governor of the Bastille, feared that it would become a target for revolutionaries and thus requested reinforcements. On July 12th, royal authorities transferred 250 barrels of gunpowder to the Bastille. Launay brought his men into the massive fortress and raised its two drawbridges. On the dawn of July 14th, a great crowd armed with muskets, swords, and various makeshift weapons began to gather around the Bastille. Launay's men were able to hold the mob back, but as more and more Parisians were converging in the Bastille, Launay raised the white flag of surrender over the fortress. Launay and his men were taken into custody, the Bastille's gunpowder and cannons were seized, and the seven prisoners inside were freed. Upon arrival at the Hotel de Ville, when Launay was to be arrested and tried as a revolutionary counsel, he was instead pulled away by the mob and executed. Tough, tough way to go. Uh, the capture of the Bastille symbolized the end of the Achin regime and provided the French revolutionary cause with an irresistible momentum. In 1792, the monarchy was abolished and King Louis and his wife, Marie Antoinette, were sent to the guillotine for treason the mm. next year. Tough times for the French uh, nobles here. The French... The French royals. Very tough time for the tough French royals. The guillotine. Tough. You know, it's it's wild sometimes. You think guillotine very tough. Um, it's wild sometimes when you think about France because it's been you know they've been sort of just laying back and just sort of out of the game since World War Two. Like we don't yeah. really you know everything's been like pretty peaceful in a world sense. You forget the French used to bang. Go they. Like, the French did a lot of help in the American Revolution. The French did their own revolution. They were all doing a lot of wars. You kind of forget how wild things have been in a place yeah, like France. Yeah, from, like, the late 1600s to the 1800s, it was wild to be French. Mm -hmm. Just doing all sorts of wild shit. <coughs> That's before we even get into the World War stuff. Um, all right, on this day, 1963, 16-year-old uh, Pauline Reed was abducted while she was on her way to a dance near her home in Gordon, England by the Moore's murderers, Ian Brady and Myra Hindley. This launched a crime, uh, crime spree that would last for over two years. Reed's body was not discovered until 1987 after Brody confessed to the murder during an interview with reporters while in a mental hospital. 
Uh, Brady and Hindley met in Manchester in 1961. Hindley quickly became infatuated with Brady, who was a self-styled Nazi, as is the style with these serial killers. Uh, he also had a substantial library of Nazi literature and was obsessed with sadistic sex. Mm. Uh, after photo- uh, photographing Hindley in obs- uh, obscene positions, Brady sold this pornography to the public. So it seems like a really charming guy. Loves Nazis, sadistic sex, sells all his porn to the, to the press. Seems like a nice guy. Uh, tough hang. Tough hang. Probably. I don't know. It gets gets wild out there in the countryside. (laughs) In order to satisfy their sadistic impulses, Brady and Hindley began abducting and killing young men and women, uh, including a 12-year-old in November and another 12-year-old in June that next year. Uh, In 1965, the couple killed a 17-year-old boy with a hatchet in front of Hindley's brother-in-law, David Smith, perhaps in an attempt to recruit him for future murders. This apparently crossed the line for Smith. So we call it a hard sell. Who went to the police. I feel like that's a real weird turn. It's like, hey, can we show you something? We're going to kill this kid. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I don't mind when you guys kidnap people, but this is crossing the line, guys. I'm going to have to take a, a... Yeah, shout out to Davey Boy Smith. <laughs> Davey um, Smith, yeah. Who, you know, went to the police. Uh, Moore's murders... became the British Bulldog. Yeah, were convicted and sent to life in prison. 1966, a notoriety continued after it was revealed that a guard at the women's prison had fallen for Hindley and had an affair with her. For his part, Brady continued to confess to other murders later in his life. Uh, whenever I read some stories like this, I'm like, oh yeah, there's probably some true crime documentary about this already that exists. I'm sure there is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what's weird, though? True crime is so like prevalent mm-hmm. in like just Netflix society today. Like You just see a million different things. Like I walked into somebody's house a couple days ago and it was late at night, and I didn't mean to bother them so late, but I had to ask them a favor. And when I walked in, they were watching a true crime show. So I'm, like, asking a favor of this person. Mm. And in the background, you can hear, like, the true crime being like, And then the murderer strangled the child and stabbed them a thousand times with a knife. Like, good God, what are you guys watching? Gets people terrified <laughs> at the state of the world and has them jumping at ghosts. I've met a lot of anger and violence some folks. True crime, man. So here's here's one of the things that I always think about when you hear about something like this. I was thinking about it when you were reading it, is that when when people talk about, you know, you think about what it was like back in the day and the things people oh, yeah. got away with and yeah, were able yeah. to do without this, without like all the cameras, modern technology. Like you can't get away with crime sprees like this the same way. It's it's truly, truly wild to read some of the stories about the, you know, the 50s, 60s, 70s, yeah. 80s and all these different like serial killer waves. And it really like just highlights when you think about every time you go down the thruway on the highway your car is on your car is recorded every stoplight it goes under everything you know it's just just a different world uh yeah crazy times and that's the thing there's never a, a like a, a running out of stories to make true crime things because every time i go through like my history lessons there's like five different stories like this i'm like can mm. we do this i don't feel like this is like an i hour. think i think if you're making content like documentaries or yeah. i guess podcasts about it i think that there probably does get to be a law of diminishing returns because at a certain point like if you don't have enough compelling footage or interview content or stuff like that to sell you're not going to have a great true crime piece if yeah. you're just like narrating this thing that happened in the 60s but there's nobody to talk to all the most affecting stuff seems to be when they get really concise interviews that yeah. speak, that are like people central figures in the case uh yeah great stuff uh all right let's move on bad stuff bad stuff. bad stuff bad stuff bad stuff don't kill cereal. don't kill people <laughs> don't kill cereal on this day 1988 die hard debuts making bruce willis a movie star Die Hard is based on the Roderick Thorpe novel Nothing Lasts Forever. 
Die Hard follows John McClane as he goes to meet his estranged wife at her company's holiday party in Los Angeles when the building is taken over by a band of international terrorists. Mm -hmm. As played by Bruce Willis, John McClane was notable as a new type of action hero, funny and flawed. The film, which was directed by John McTiernan, received four Oscar nominations, Best Sound, Film Editing, Visual Effects, Sound Effects, so, like, technical awards, no, like... Although Alan Rickman should have gotten an award for playing Hans Gruber. How come no one gets no credit for Hans Gruber? He's so good. I don't think the movie became that type of thing until much later, like past award times. No one gets nominated for these kind of movies. You never get, like, someone getting Best Supporting Actor for being a great villain in some action movie. That doesn't exist. Yeah, well, and also pull them up. I mean, who was nominated in 88? I don't know if anyone makes the cut. Uh... Uh, Willis first rose to fame with the romantic comedy detective TV show Moonlighting. Mm -hmm. Uh, After the success of Die Hard, Willis emerged as one of Hollywood's top leading men. In addition to starring in three Die Hard sequels, he racked up a long list of movie credits, including Pulp Fiction, 12 Monkeys, Armageddon, uh, The Sixth Sense, which was Oscar-nominated. That was huge commercial success. He was in Unbreakable. Uh, There's another, like, isn't there a... Was it the whole nine yards? He was in those movies. I'm trying to think of what else. There's another one I was just thinking of. There's like Friends for a minute. He was in Friends for a minute. That's yeah. right. Uh, from '87 to 2000, Willis was married to Demi Moore, who also emerged as an A-list star in the '80s and '90s, appearing mm-hmm. in films such as Saint Elmo's Fire, Ghost, mm-hmm. A Few Good Men, Decent Proposal, Striptease, and GI Jane. Oh, did you say Pulp Fiction? That's probably the one we were thinking of. I kind of no. There was something else. Oh, uh, he was the voice and look who's talking. That's what I was thinking of. He was the baby. What? <laughs> you, remember, you remember that? You remember oh the baby? My, yeah, I, the baby. I've heard of the baby. <laughs> no, Pulp Fiction. I think is a weird one for him mm-hmm. because I don't think of Pulp Fiction as a Bruce Willis movie. Even though, like, that's to it. That that's a plus for me. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's fair. That's a plus for me. I don't like... I'm not a huge Bruce Willis guy. Yeah. I appreciate Die Hard. I get it, all that stuff. And I've enjoyed him in things, but I had something about him. He's just never, like, been my guy. Um, so when I can get him in... Because I think he's great in Sixth Sense. I thought he was great in Unbreakable. I thought that he was actually really good when he was on Friends. Yeah. I like him in Pulp Fiction. I like him in all that kind of stuff. But when he's, like, the main guy... I rewatched uh, Live Free or Die Hard like a week or two ago. Tough hang. I mean, this is the most common criticism in the world about this movie, but those movies get too fantastical. Yep. That's like that happened. That's like where the movie jumps the shark. It's like I'm gonna leap off a truck onto the front of a uh, Harrier jet or whatever. All sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. wild stuff. Most of the other Die Hard movies feel vaguely realistic, like Mm -hmm. for the for the most part. Yeah, I just I like I like Bruce Willis left or right of center as opposed to right in the middle I guess yeah I do like him as McLean in the movie be like, oh, come on to the coast have a few laughs he's pretty good as, as McLean in the first one he's, he's solid mm-hmm. uh, no you're not you're it's not. like I can't get no satisfaction by the Rolling Stones is a good song it is but like I've song. heard enough uh, alright so this is our bonus that was a cheap shot at the Stones so Mick and Keith if you're listening I'll see you later this week. So here's our bonus history lesson. I took... We're taking a time warp. A bonus. A bonus. Just for me. We're taking a time warp back 20 years to this day. So just history? July 12th, 2001. Mm -hmm. And I looked up the number one film, number one song, and number one book. Oh, this is much better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See? All right. All right. So number one movie on this day, July 12th, 2001, is... Legally Blonde. Kevin, you ever seen mm. Legally Blonde? Uh, back then, definitely. I don't have much memory of it, but definitely back at that time, yeah. Did you enjoy that film? I don't. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know if. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. 
I feel like this is a movie I've never seen, but I know mm. a lot of people who really love it. Yeah, yeah. It was like, definitely like yeah. a super... It was just one of those movies that was out when you're like high school age and like all the movies are kind of out there. Like you're on Fridays or like watching movies at somebody's house for like everybody's like messing around, running around, acting wild and like sort of on in the background. I know yeah. it's like Reese Witherspoon and she's running for like student president or I think. So yeah. this is based on a 2001 novel of the okay. same name. Stars Reese Witherspoon as Ellie Woods, sorority girl who attempts to win back her ex-boyfriend by getting a Juris Doctor degree at Harvard Law School. Okay. And in the process overcomes stereotypes against blondes and triumphs as a successful lawyer through unflappable mm. self-confidence and fashion and beauty know-how. Ah, I see. Uh, the online uh, the outline originated from Brown's experience going to Stanford Law School and being obsessed with fashion and beauty and frequently clashing with the personalities of her peers. Mm. Released on July 3rd, it was a hit with audiences grossing $141 million on an $18 million budget. Nominated for Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture. This was like Reese Witherspoon's like coming out party, I feel like. Mm-hmm. She gets a Golden Globe nomination for Best Actress. She wins an MTV Movie Award for Best Female Performance. Uh... There's a sequel to this movie in 2003, Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, and Blonde, as well as a musical that debuted in January 23rd, 2007 uh, in San Francisco and New York. It's also been announced that Mindy Kaling and Dan Gore were signed to write a third film, Legally Blonde 3, which is planned for release in May of 2022. Mm. So Reese Witherspoon just banking up on the Legally Blonde franchise. Get that money. What's your best Reese Witherspoon performance? You got one that comes to your... Um, uh, let me see. There's been a couple things I really liked her in. Um, I thought she was great. I thought she was pretty good when I watched that first season, uh, Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies, yeah. It was cool. I liked her in that. Um, yeah. I remember thinking she was really good in the movie Fear when I was a kid, where Mark Fear. Wahlberg Yo. is like the wild stalker. Fear. Um, and she was also... I liked her in Pleasantville. She's good in Walk the Line. Yeah, she was great yeah. in Walk the Line. Walk the Line. Yeah. Yeah, Reese Witherspoon. She's like a mogul almost now. I think so. Like now she I think she's into like yeah. all sorts of like brands yeah. and there's a lot of there's a lot of actresses who have done that and like extended out into fashion brands or different things like that who are just like I'm out of the game. I'm in like clothes and makeup <laughs> now and just make tons of money and get to hang out and don't have to like go do all the nonsense. So gotta respect that. So as you were enjoying the number one movie in America on mm. this day, July twelfth, two thousand one, and you were in your car, you were driving to the movie theater to go see Legally Blonde in your car. This song was playing the number one song in America. You remind me by Usher. You spelled with just the letter U because in classic Usher fashion, as was the style at Usher the time. Specifically. <laughs> uh, you remind me is a song by uh, Usher from his third studio album, eighty-seven oh one, mid-tempo contemporary R&B track. The song is about a man who meets a woman who seems like a nice catch. But he decides not to enter a relationship with her because she looks too much. She reminds him of a girl that like an ex used to know. Yeah. <laughs> Song served as the lead single from 8701 following the release of the previous single, Pop Yakala, which was only included in some editions. There's a time capsule. <laughs> in some editions of the album. Uh, topped the U.S. Billboard charts on July 7th and also reached the top five in Australia, Belgium, France, the Netherlands, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom. Song won Usher his first Grammy Award for Best Male R&B Vocal Performance. Uh, accompanying music video featured Chili of TLC as one of the female leads. Mm-hmm. That was his like, wife at the time. Was it his wife at the time? Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel... Yeah, because then they broke up and he went and wrote the album Confessions, all about <sighs> the bad stuff he did to his wife Chili from TLC. It's a great album. Confessions uh, it had the song Yeah on yeah. it, which is probably the biggest hit Usher's ever had. Mm. Even though most people probably remember the Little John song so many years later. Yes. Just because they the lead artist on it? 
Is Little John credited as the lead on that song? I don't think so. I think it's an Usher, Usher song. Isn't Usher Featuring song? Little John and Ludacris. Featuring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man. Thunderclap. Uh, yeah, Usher. You're listening to Usher, and then after you watch the movie, go back home. In your 2001, I'm going to assume it's a Mitsubishi Eclipse. Seems like a 2001 car, right? Is that from... Good for you. <laughs> and you go home to read the number one book in America, Leap of Faith by Danielle Steele. Mm. Yeah. I don't know anything about this book. Mm. Or this author I'm familiar with, Danielle Steele, is like a thing. Yeah, yeah. I know. Like, when I was young, I remember people reading Danielle Steele. This book, though... Yeah. Leap of Faith is so inconsequential, there's no Wikipedia page for it. Yeah. It's listed on her mm-hmm. bibliography, but there's no the, other additional information. James Patterson before James Patterson was James Patterson. <laughs> yeah. I understand. So this is all that I could gather from Leap of Faith by Danielle Steele. This is from Goodreads.com. It is a one-paragraph synopsis of the story. Are you ready? Hit me. Orphaned at the age of 11, Marie Ange Hawkins is forced to leave her family's chateau in France and live with her cold and uncaring elderly aunt on a farm in Iowa. There, she befriends the boy next door, who grows up at her side and comes to love her. But when Mary Ange turns 21, she learns that her penny-pinching aunt has hidden the fact that her parents left millions of dollars in a trust in her name. So there you go. There's the synopsis for the story. Leap of Faith. Huh. By Danielle Steele. Was this like porn when we were kids? I'm not Danielle sure Steele. if Danielle Steele was one of the, the porn? erotic literature. Yeah, like, so, I mean, I don't know if that's what Danielle Steele was. I'm not sure. I, for some reason, I thought she did like mysteries, kind of. Sexy mysteries. Or something. I think it's maybe like it sexy mysteries, but sexy I don't mysteries. think it's the books where it's like the straight up, like, people on the cover, like, painted mm. up, like, Renaissance folks, like, ravishing one another in the sunset on like a boat or whatever those kind of like paperbacks <laughs> i don't think danielle Steele was quite that but those were definitely a thing back then uh yeah great stuff so there you go uh legally blonde you remind me and leap of faith by danielle Steele. it's always interesting when you look at like what's number one at a specific time because it's a little bit arbitrary because it's just like a random week right like so when you think about the year I forgot that Usher song existed, right? And there's a bunch of yeah. Usher songs I think about before. I forgot Legally Blonde was a thing. Danielle Steele's a name I haven't thought about in years. But for one week back then, it was just sort of, it was a thing. It's always well, I, weird when you grab them out of context like that. Well, it's a nice little closet or closed look at like the American uh, pop culture system right now. What were the hottest things? A little and, snapshot of July. A little snapshot. I gotta tell you, July 2001 was a little different for me. Yeah, very different. <laughs> I almost did 91, but uh, the movie, I think, was Terminator 2. And I think we talk about that all the time, so I didn't want yeah, to do probably. Like, another... I feel like that's specifically been getting stepped on a lot lately, yeah. too. I think yeah. it, was, it must be like 25th anniversary or something. Yeah. Or yeah. 20th anniversary. 30th anniversary. 30th anniversary, 30th anniversary whatever it is, yeah. but I feel like I've been seeing a lot of content on T2. It does make you feel old, doesn't it? 20 years ago? Uh, a lot, a lot of things like that. 15 yeah. when this song came out? It's usually it's albums for me. It's always albums for me. When I think about how long ago some albums came out. You know what I mean? Is that it? Is that the song? That is that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's the song. Mm-hmm. You. Yeah, Usher, it's Usher got that off. little like, pan flutey sort of. Um, yeah. This is kind of gone. Musicians. Gold. All musicians fall off. You can't be like... It's tough to transition, especially in like R&B and something like that, where the music is so based on youth and youth culture, and you know, the youth, younger people are the drivers of the music. It's tough to get older and stay relevant. Like you look at even a guy like Jay Z, who you know in two thousand one was just becoming a colossus and really ascending mm-hmm. the throne. 
even a guy like that, you know, you get to be 50, there's only so much you can do. You can put out stuff that your fans are interested in, but I feel like for a guy like Usher, he can't, he's not always going to be the youngest yeah. pretty boy out there dancing and singing, you know what I mean? People are going to come along and it's just sort of the, you know, the evolution of the pop culture food chain and music. Yeah, I feel like, I, I, I think you just plateau at a certain point. You'll, uh, mm-hmm. who, was, we were just watching some video and they were talking. Literally about, every, uh, I, I can't think of a musician who almost hasn't. Very few. No, someone was talking, I think it was the guy from The Cure. And mm-hmm. they were like, how come you don't make more, how come you didn't make more albums that sounded like this one particular album? He's like, because I'd be dead. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Like, was, was like, yeah, yeah. Had, like the alcohol and drug problem. Yeah, because yeah, you, like, you can't sustain it, right? It's unsustainable, like certain aspects of it. Yeah, like, certainly it, if you're yeah. on drugs, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, so we will skip past animal news. We'll do that next week. It's not. Why what happened to the animals? And all sorts of funny animal stories. Oh, I like a funny animal story. You want, me, you want one? I'll give you one. Yeah, give me one. All right, I'll give you one. Give me an extra history lesson. I'll get an animal story. All right, animal story. No, sir. Fire it up. Uh, officials in Minnesota have warned people not to dispose of unwanted goldfish oh, fish. in lakes or ponds. <laughs> When uh, when all sharing images of grow, uh, goldfish have grown to enormous sizes. Something that I think a lot of people don't maybe fully understand about goldfish is the only reason goldfish are the size they are is because the tank they're in at your house, mm. that's the largest size they can grow to accommodate that. You put them in a bigger body of water, those goldfish are going to keep going. Because uh, goldfish, are, much like carp, are part of the minnow family, they can mm-hmm. work their way through city stormwater ponds and into lakes and streams down uh, downstream. They can reproduce rapidly, increasing the amount of plants being uprooted uh they are considered innovation invasive species when they're out in the wild for sure so yeah they have the ability to drastically change water quality they can cascade on impacts on plants and other animals they're a major concern says caleb ashling the burnsville natural source natural resources specialist mm. uh i know what you're all thinking and yes it turns out you can eat pond goldfish if mm. you catch them but much like carp, they're bottom feeders and they're kind of gross. So you might not want to eat them if yeah. the water you catch them in you is. You might not want to eat them if the grocery store still has food. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we've gotten to the point where there's no food at the grocery store, eat your goldfish. Although I will say, if I had land, um, if I had like some real space, I will eventually at some point like to get like a koi pond. Koi pond. Get like some big yeah, heavy yeah. duty like goldfish and stuff that you see and have them out there. I don't really know the logistics of doing something like that in New York State. Because you got to deal true. with like winter. I don't really know how that works, but I feel like if they got them in Japan, it gets cold in a lot of parts yeah. of Japan. So, uh, like, let's do a mailbag question. Uh, this one is good context. I started playing this video game about crashing in the ocean and trying mm, to survive. You did indeed. So one Kev, button, and it's just the swim button. Just swim, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Kev, my question is this: How long do you think you could last on a deserted island mm. uh, if you had to survive there? Now, I'm gonna throw out that you have need some qualifiers okay you got palm trees you got coconuts you got i don't know rocks and sticks and shit maybe you can have i don't know what you want to have with you You can have like one or two things a lighter maybe a Do you knife know I mean? knife and a lighter if I'm you want to take fire starter like a flint or something would be better than like a bic well i'm trying to think of something you could have on you theoretically like yeah. on your own like let's just assume you had a lighter and a pocket knife on you Right when you go down. Yeah, yeah. You think you make it a week? If, um, 
I mean, it depends. I guess it depends on a couple things, right? What kind of conditioning you remember when you make it down there? Yep. How much trauma you took, like, in a crash or something? Like, if I'm, yeah, if I jump not... up spry and ready to go out of the <laughs> yeah. ocean, but who the hell knows? Um, yeah, let's assume you're not, like, befeebled by a broken leg or I guess or people are talking like you're just going to drink coconuts. You can't do that for a very long time. Like, it'll, it'll go toxic. You, diary, you yeah, need yeah. to get fresh water. And, like, realistically, I mean... I know some theoreticals of how like solar stills <laughs> like work, still, yeah. but, re- but like you know, what <laughs> yeah. am I gonna? I don't. Exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't really know how to begin. Um, and is there food? What am I eating on this island? I gotta, I gotta, gotta catch, catch some fish, stuff. I guess. I mean, like I'd, a... probably, I'd probably be dead in a week. Probably a week. I don't if, think really because if I can't, if I can't get fresh water, how long can I drink coconuts until the like diarrhea would dehydrate you yeah. and you would die even faster? You yeah. know what I mean? Out. In exposure out here, you know, you're out in the sun, you're out in the heat, everything like that. Because, like, I've got, I'm pretty pale complexion. If I'm out in the sun, I burn pretty badly. If I, like, if I were out in the sun on an island all day without coverage, I would be in a lot of pain. Okay, all right. So let me, throw a lot the, of trouble. let me throw this at you. Let's say, for whatever reason, yeah, this island has a natural spring. So you got, <laughs> whatever. Okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. yeah. yeah. I, whatever. I, I, I know. So you got water. Yeah. Water, the the biggest concern, Mm -hmm. the water, Mm -hmm. is taken care of. Mm -hmm. Do you think you'd be able to do, like, the whole shelter thing? Could you build a shelter? Yeah, 100%. If I had had a fresh water spring, um, indefinitely. Indefinitely. I mean, I'm not saying, like, forever things come up, you might, like, get diseases, you would get sick, you would get something. But if you have access to fresh water and I had a knife... I mean, realistically, yeah, you could fashion a shelter. You don't need a ton. You're not worried about it getting cold. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to keep it. It's not like you're lost up in, like, the Adirondacks in January. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, probably not actually that long. That's probably, like, wild, aggressive confidence of somebody who's never been stranded on the, lighter, the island. But the lighter thing's tough because that goes out after a while. That's right? why you don't want the lighter. You want the flint, the fire starter, so you yeah. can get the spark. Because you can make your own, like, yeah. tinder. You know what I mean? You can make your own, like, little kindling and get it started if you have a flint or something. But yeah, something like a lighter eventually is just gonna stop, and then you've learned nothing. You don't know how to make fire. You yeah. burned all the easy kindling on the thing with it's your lighter, true. just doing easy fires. There you go. I don't think I would make it. It'd be uh, tough. I, I don't think catching I'd... food would be a problem. You just go in the ocean, grab a fish. Well, you know what I noticed, at least in the video game, that comes back to get you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got bit by a snake, and then I got poisoned and died. That was the end. <laughs> like I, I was doing everything else just fine. I'm like, okay, I got some water, I got some food. Oh. Snake bite, and that's the end. Got to do it. Dead. Done. Yeah, it'd be a problem. Yeah, so there you go. Don't get bitten by snakes, the moral of that story. Uh, all right, I think that's it. Uh, Ken, did you put any songs on Spotify this week? I haven't put any songs on yet, but you sent me the playlist. I'm going to kick some on there. You talk about a couple, and i got to think of a few I'm going to throw on there. Um, well, actually, all of these oh, are because uh, we started watching that YouTube channel about the music stuff that I got obsessed with. Okay. Uh, that Trash Theory YouTube mm-hmm. channel. If you like weird... Uh, alternative music. If you like short documentaries about different yeah. time periods in music, like music documentaries about different scenes and different movements in music, about like 20, 25 minutes yeah. of video and really well researched and well presented. It's called Trash Theory. Yeah, so here's uh, here's some of the songs that they... These are all from episodes of Trash Theory that I got caught up watching. Uh, something I learned today, Husker Do. Mm. Good Good Things, Descendants, uh, Dreams Burn Down, Ride, Little Shoegaze for all you folks out Shoegazy. there. Shoegazy. Uh, the Authority Song, Jimmy Eat World. Uh, mm. Swingin' Party by The Replacements, and Waiting Room by Fugazi. So very on-brand. One of the most on-brand playlists I've ever made, I would say. No, that's... That's... Yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. No. no, you don't think so? Is no, that's not the full band. Too performative? 
that a performative on brand. Performatively on brand. Perform a little on bit. Kevin, anything you can think of? You, um, you know what song I might put on? I, I might have put it on a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to do it again. Um, I don't think I did. But we learned the song Don't Let Me Down. The Beatles? By, no, maybe Don't Bring Me Down. Whichever one is by like ELO. Uh, and something like that uh, and it's actually I never listened to it outside of the radio when I listen to it it sounds like a Paul McCartney song because it's got really big piano in the background it's got like that like Paul McCartney solo album style sound to it for sure every time we play that song at a show specifically if we're the further we get like outside the city so to speak um, that song is a barn burner for people people go I had no idea yeah. People go nuts for that song, and it's made me retroactively really like the song now. And I listen to it, I'm like, damn, it's got that cool piano in the background, and people like it, and it's fun to play. So I'm going to throw that song on there. Um, then I will probably pull something from those same Trash Theories, some of those same bands. You might see some Jimmy World or a replacement song or something like that. Not to go on too long, since we're already longer than I thought we would. I mean, we're out. Listen, no, if they're still here yeah. right now, they're not like, you gotta, if they don't wrap it up in two minutes, I'm going to stop. Yeah, I know. Like, if you're so, here now, you're with us. So I was... Looking up the band, the Buzzcocks, mm-hmm. after we watched one of those videos. I like the Buzzcocks. Kind of mm-hmm. cool. We got about five or six songs I really, really like. But you know what's funny about all these bands? If you start going like two years after their hit album, some of their music is garbage. Yeah. Well, especially like, when a lot of these like young, like these these punk bands got money to yeah. just like go indulge themselves in the studio. They weren't ready. A lot of this kind of music. What's nice about these videos on Trash Theory is... A lot of this music, without its context, like yeah. you couldn't just give somebody a list of these songs and be like, "Look how good this is. This was the time." And if they don't know yeah. anything about it, they're like, "Yo, this is trash. Like, what the fuck is this? These guys can barely. What's happening here? Barely play their Are they joking? <laughs> like, what's going on?" And you have to, you have to have it within the context of the time and where it came oh, from man. and like what was actually going on. Being able to see the live performances and the shows and learning a little bit about, you know underground music scenes and like punk subcultures and that kind of yeah. shit um gotta have it for a lot of this kind of stuff i'm stunned this trash theory guy doesn't have a video about the Minutemen. i feel like that's a, a everything else in his repertoire feels like it's right in line seems like it'll be coming he's only been a channel for like a year or two. yeah so i remember last time i went and looked at his i'm like it's a little sparse i've kind of watched everything yeah. so because he the videos are so well produced it probably takes a lot of time he's every two weeks or whatever you know what I mean? it's not like one of those channels where they're cranking out three to four videos a week hey, speaking of two weeks yeah, uh, I got pitched by someone in my family mm. to do a podcast with them. That's hilarious. Who? My brother-in-law, Randall. Okay, is really interested in doing a Midwest Northeast sports podcast, a Chicagoer and a New Yorker's perspective on sports stories from different sports cities. Oh hell yeah! And he also wants to do, like, a thing where we do, like, longer-form stories about sports that people don't know about. Like, interesting things that happened in sports that are mm-hmm. underreported, essentially. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't totally prepared to start another podcast. Mm-hmm. But he seems like he really wants to do it, and I figure it's worth a try. So, for all you sports fans out there... Seems like he's the type of dude who will uh, not make you be the only guy in the library in the off hours. No, he loves stuff like this. You so know what I mean? Like, he'll bring a lot of his own kind of stuff. That would be a cool idea. I don't think it's it'll true. be a weekly thing, because I don't know I can produce uh, right. eight podcasts a month on my that own. That would probably be... What? Bi-weekly, maybe? I think it's tough when you're doing sports stuff, because if you're going to do current events in sports, you got to be... 
on top of it. Well, I think that's why we're not going to. But I think if you're getting out more into the ideas of like these more lesser-known sports stories and some of the larger month-to-month context, because a lot of a lot of podcasts we like um, come out in a format where it's like almost uh, like seasons. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like our friend Malik over at Against the Algorithm mm-hmm. does seasons, where it's like, you know, these are the episodes, so you can record them ahead of time, get them actually edited and really put together with some thought and everything like that, and then just have them to drop and put them out. You know what I mean? So do it almost like an album release instead of like a... Week to week. Yeah, so we'll see. So that might be coming down the pike. So look forward to that. I'm excited. Uh, all right, that's it. You can uh, follow Sarah Foster at Sarah Foster 13 on Instagram and Twitter and all over the place. Or just follow Medicine Tourism. They do great work. You can follow Heather at HeatherWaz1. You can follow Kevin underscore Kevin Sullivan. You can follow me at SF Doom. Or just follow the show at Uticast. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Taken over the web sayonara humanoids keep it tight Woodstock lives I really wish my ear would start working the tape machines are rolling Uh, we are desperately out of time and we will see you next week for another episode of the Unicast I hope uh, we don't float away in the meantime bye bye now (laughs) bye bye